Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now your hosts, Bela Sebro. She's the nice one. And Alan Skorsky. Uh, he's not so nice. But together they are the definitive rap. I'm Alan Skorsky with my co-host Bela Sebro, and welcome to the definitive rap, where we discuss the news items the mainstream media just won't touch. The Definitive Rap is proud to be the official podcast of VinNews.com. By now, many of you have heard another case of justice denied. Not here in America, but in France, where Jews can be brutally murdered for no reason other than they are Jewish, then murdered a second time by the French judicial system. In August of 2017, Sarah Halimi, a 65-year-old Jewish woman, was savagely beaten to death before being thrown off her third-floor balcony by a 27-year-old Muslim named Kobel Treore. Hope I'm pronouncing it properly. The judge decided that since this killer was high on marijuana, he could not be held responsible for his acts, even though it was beyond any shadow of a doubt that he knew exactly what he was doing when he targeted Sarah because she was a Jew. In 2003, Sebastian Salem was murdered by a Muslim neighbor. In 2006, Ilan Halimi was kidnapped, tortured, and murdered. The movie 24 Days tells the story of Ilan and can be watched on Amazon TV. In that case, too, the judge was hesitant to call it a case of anti-Semitism until public pressure forced him to change his mind. In 2012, there was the shooting at a Toulouse Jewish day school. And in 2015, there was the shooting at the Hypercasher supermarket in Porte de Vincent. In that case, our very own president, Barack Obama, referred to the victims as random folks. In 2018, Marielle Knoll, a Holocaust survivor, was robbed and burned to death by a 35-year-old Muslim neighbor. Our distinguished guest, Yonatan Arif, whom Bela will introduce shortly, will update us as to how the French community is responding. Bela? Thank you, Alan. The world stood in shock as the verdict for a cold-blooded murderer came in his favor. A man killed his Jewish neighbor and managed to get away with standing trial because the high court called it a marijuana-induced psychotic episode. Kobili, I'm going to pronounce it in my English-speaking uh, language. Kobili Traore received mercy for beating Sarah Halimi for more than 30 minutes while shouting about Allah and then throwing her out of the window of her third-story apartment in 2017. What did Sarah do to Kobili to make him hate her so much? Sarah Halimi was born a Jew. Sarah Halimi lived her life as a Jew, and that was enough for the murderer to kill her in such a brutal fashion. And since this is not the first time a Jew was killed in France and got away with it, the murderer knew that this time will be no different than the other times that Jewish blood is cheap. The CRIF umbrella group of French Jewish communities called it a miscarriage of justice. 
and the founder of the National Bureau for Vigilance Against Antisemitism, which is a communal watchdog known as BNVCA, said that he no longer had full confidence that anti-Semitic hate crimes in France are handled properly. And with us today to talk about the murder of Sarah Halimi is Yonatan Arif. He is the vice president of the CRIF, an umbrella group of the French Jewish communities that monitors and combats anti-Semitism in France. Yonatan, welcome to the Definitive Wrap. Thank you, Bela. Thank you, Alain. When the murder of Sarah Halimi made the headlines back in 2017, I, along with Jews and even non-Jews around the world, cried out. And when the verdict came in that a human being who committed such a monstrous atrocity doesn't even have to answer for his crime, that was over-the-top anguish throughout the world. Thank God for your organization and your work on behalf of the Jewish community in France. Please share with our listening audience when your organization was started and what is it that you do to combat attacks on Jews? Okay, thank you very much for your question about the French jury and its struggle against anti-Semitism. You know, the CRIF, which is the umbrella organization for the French jury, gathers 74 different Jewish organizations. The CRIF itself was founded in 1943 during the war. Uh, when France was still occupied by the Nazis and Jews gathered at that time and decided to found the CRIF with the idea to build the Jewish community again after the war. And of course, they had in mind that they would have to struggle against anti-Semitism for the future. And that's what the, the leaders of the CRIF did uh, over the last uh, 70, even more than 70 years. Uh, we have been involved in the struggle against anti-Semitism, but in the struggles struggle for human rights at large also, who have, uh, of course, uh, been focused on the issue of the Holocaust remembrance also in France, and we have fought also for the right to Israel, uh, for Israel to exist as an independent Jewish state. Our goal is to uh, defend the Jewish dignity, the Jewish right to live as French citizens, uh, openly Jewish, quietly Jewish, I would say, in, a, in, a, in the French society. Uh, You have to know that there are about 600,000 Jews in France. It's almost 1% of the French population. It's the largest Jewish community in Europe and even the largest Jewish community outside the U.S., except, of course, Israel. It means that it's very symbolical of the status of the Jews in diaspora and of the, in the statu of the status of the Jews in Europe, which is a, you know, a continent with a... a Uh, of course, the, I would say, um, the history of the Shoah, which is very present in every political action you, you could imagine in France regarding the Jews, you have, uh, I would say, uh, to take into account that we are on the soil, on the continent where the Shoah took place. And when you speak about Iknol, you spoke about her. Mir Iknol was a Holocaust survivor. She survived the roundup of uh, the Veldiv in 1942 in Paris. And she happened to be killed 80 years later by an Islamist fanatic in Paris. That's, I would say, a short resume of all the challenges we have to face as, as a Jewish organization in France. This from the 30s to the 40s, of course. I have to tell our American friends that it's very different for one main reason. In the 40s, we had to 
uh, I would say, to fight alone against anti-Semitism. And we had no support from public authorities since it was state-sponsored anti-Semitism. Today, it's a little bit different. Usually, we have a strong support from the public authorities. Today, in the case of Sarah Halimi, we have a problem with the judges. But we had the support of the uh, President Macron. We have the support of all the uh, main political parties. So our, our status is a little bit different, uh, different in the French society. We are targeted as Jews, of course, we know it. But we also have allies and we are in the middle of a, a battle which is a little bit larger than us. We know that it's a battle against radical Islam, for instance. It's a battle against hatred in Western societies. So that's, uh, I would say, the crossroad where Jews are located today in Europe. Okay, so you actually pointed on some things I was going to touch on. So just so you know, both of my parents were born in France. My mother was born in 43, and she was rescued by the French underground when the Nazis were looking in hospitals for Jewish babies. Um, so you, you mentioned some points here. So one of the things I want to ask you, because see, here in America, we're also having a rise of Islamism and Palestinianism, and they're trying to sway public opinion against Israel. In France, is it the white supremacists, is it neo-Nazis, or do you see a rise in, in, in Muslim? I, we read about uh, Africans, North Africans, who are Muslim, and are they the ones who are the bigger threat to the Jewish community? Are the Nazis still there, or is it more, are they more of a fringe? Well, unfortunately, we still have all the kinds of uh, anti-Semitism in France. We still have a, a classical anti-Semitism coming from the far right, uh, with, I would say, uh, an ideological, religious, Christian uh, uh, anti-Semitism. It's, it's not a violent anti-Semitism. It does not uh, reflect in violent physical attacks on Jews, but we know that it's still present in parts of the French society itself. And that's the classical anti-Semitism. But over the last 20 years, since the year 2000 and the beginning of the Second Intifada in the Middle East, we have witnessed in France a rise, a tremendous rise in the number of attacks committed by young people in France, mainly of, I would say, Muslim descent. Uh, I'm not uh, glad to, to define them only by that, but it's part of the issue, and it's important to say it also. Uh, uh, so of people of Muslim de de descent identifying with the Palestinians and considering, considering the French Jews as legitimate enemies in their eyes to uh, get revenge for the Palestinian children in a way. And Jews have been targeted for that reason uh, over the last 20 years. Uh, it, uh, it was the case, for instance, in 2012, when Mohamed Merah uh, was, was the shooter, the killer of the uh, Jewish school of Toulouse in 2012, uh, said to justify his, his action, said that he was doing it to get revenge for, revenge for the Palestinian children. And uh, uh, we have to, to say that until the year 2015, when uh, attacks also targeting, targeted the rest of the French population, you know about the Bataclan, Charlie Hebdo, uh, uh, until that period of time, we had several years. Uh, we have had several years where we had the feeling to be left alone. We had the feeling to be the only ones uh, on the front line, and with no real support for our fellow French citizens. Um, and uh, it changed with the attacks on Bataclan. 
Uh, if you speak today with uh, a random French citizen in Paris, he will be aware of the issue of Islamism because he knows it, uh, because he suffered, he suffered from it like us. He, he, people are aware that there is uh, an issue of radical Islam. They, are, uh, they have all heard about the issue of anti-Semitism much more than they, they, they used to, uh, to, to know about it uh, five years ago. So today, for us, it's a little bit different. We know that we have friends, we know that we have allies, but we are only at the start of a long battle. And uh, it's sometimes, I would say, difficult for us, for Jews, to accept that even if only, we are only 1% of the French population, we are victims of about 50% of all the hate crimes in France. And uh, some, of, some Jews in France decide to leave France because they consider that it's too difficult for them to live in France as uh, openly Jewish. Uh, but the vast majority of them stay in France, fight back in France, and consider that they, they find in the French society enough energy, enough empathy to continue the battle. Jonathan, I understand that during a trip on February 18th, 2020, which was a year ago, French President Emmanuel Macron delivered a speech on the theme of the Republican reconquest and the fight against Islamist separatism at the Dollar Gymnasium in Mulhouse in eastern France. And uh, just a few days ago on Sunday, he was quoted in an interview for the newspaper, newspaper La Figaro. And again, forgive me for not La having Figaro. a French accent. Figaro. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> um, he said this, and I'm quoting, deciding to take narcotics and then going mad should not, in my view, remove your criminal responsibility. And then he added, I would like the justice minister to present a change in the law as soon as possible. So my question to you is, please, what is your opinion about what President Macron stated and his views about Jews in France? Well, that's a, an important question. Uh, first of all, we, we really have the feeling that I would say it uh, shortly, he was and he has been on our side from the beginning on this issue. And it's almost part of the problem because the judges considered that the support of Emmanuel Macron when uh, one, uh, one year ago he said that there is a need for a trial, uh, that he was interfering in the justice affairs. And as you know, there is a separation, strictly a strict separation between political affairs and justice affairs. Right. And some judges considered that it was uh, an unacceptable interference of the political uh, uh, leaders in the justice affairs. So um, we have had a strong support from, from him. We cannot complain about the, his level of awareness regarding anti-Semitism, to be honest. Uh, he is clearly in the continuity of Nicolas Sarkozy and François Hollande before him, uh, who, uh, where uh, we had understood that the issue of anti-Semitism was not only a Jewish problem. They, under, they had under, understood that it was uh, symbolical of a, world, a problem for the whole French society. It means, how do you deal with the radical Islam issue? How do you tackle that issue? And uh, we, are, we are just, uh, I would say, uh, a re revelator. I mean, uh, a way to, to, uh, to see, uh, in a, to see uh, something coming in, in the next future, you know? Right. And uh, uh, that's the role of Jews in diaspora also. We, we, we have this role to play. We, we are, uh, uh, I would say, uh, uh, you know, uh, the small bird which, which was taken in the, in the mines in order to feel 
before the human beings to feel that there is a danger uh, and and then uh, to, to to warn them that there, there is a danger for for the uh, for the minors. You know? right. It's the role of the Jews in the Western societies also due to our own history. Uh, we are revelators of these kind of issues. And uh, I think that Emmanuel Macron is like François Hollande and Nicolas Sarkozy and has understood it. Uh, my, uh, my analysis is that regarding the, the change in the law, of course it's needed. But as you know, there is no retroactive law in France, which means that this law will not apply to the case of Sarah Halimi and to uh, her murderer. It means that it will not change uh, the case of Sarah Halimi. I hope that this new law will bear the name of Sarah Halimi because it will be, uh, I would say, the best way to uh, to uh, to, uh, to mark something yeah. uh, publicly regarding her, right. her memory. Uh, but uh, it will not solve the anger uh, of the victims, of the family, and all the whole Jewish community regarding it. Right. Here in America, we have many different communities, and there are Jewish groups who have interfaith relationships with Christians and with Muslims. So in France, do you have the same thing? Have you had French Muslim groups reaching out to you and saying, this does not represent us, and this is just a bad guy? Or are the Muslims are saying, you're the Jews, this is your problem, you know, you deserve it? Well, um it's a little bit more complicated than that because we have strong and good relationships with the Muslim institutions. For instance, there is the largest mosque in Paris, uh, with, which is a historical uh, mosque and uh, which is related to, which is linked to the uh, to Algeria mainly. And we have a very good relationship with with, uh, with, with them and their leaders. Uh, it's the same with many uh, Muslim organizations. But the real problem is that they themselves have no impact on the ground on the young Muslim young population. You know, um, people who, uh, who uh, contest any kind of authority in the French society usually also contest the authority inside their own community. So they will not turn to the regular moderate imam. They will turn to the radical one, which is not officially affiliated with the mosque. So in fact, having a good relationship with, with the Muslim official institutions is a good thing. And we will, of course, continue to develop this kind of relationship. But we know that we will not be sufficient. We know that regarding the, I would say, uh, uh, anti-Semitic, which is in the air, you know, the, the uh, part of the anti-Semitism, which is, I would say, almost cultural. In some places among, among uh, young people, it's very common to consider that Jews for, for sure, have money, you know, it's, it's, it's accepted as a, uh, as a truth, as is something you have got to question right. and saying uh, Jews have money and therefore it's, it's, it's acceptable to, to, to attack Jews. It's acceptable to consider them as enemies. And the fact is that we are considered in France as Jews, as I would say, figures of the, uh, of the system. You know, there are people who are in the margins of the systems. Uh, for instance, part of the Muslim population, they have, I would say, a violence against the system. They would, they, they, they could attack policemen, schools, uh, even hospitals sometimes, uh, firefighters. But they will, they will for sure, usually, I would say, uh, join the, the Jews to that group, representing to their eyes the system. We are considered 
as being, I would say, very close to the to the power, and in, in that in that way, in their eyes, responsible for part of their uh, desperate situation. Right. You know. You don't want to go ahead, Bela. <laughs> Sorry, okay. uh, Jonathan. I want to ask you about a law in France. Um, according to Article One Twenty Two Dash One of the French Penal Code, a person is not criminally liable who, when the act was committed, was suffering from a psychological or neuropsychological disorder, which destroyed his discernment or his ability to control his actions. So my question is, have there been incidents where if what happened to Sarah Halimi had happened to a non-Jewish French person, would the verdict have been the same? I guess really what the question is, is we know that Jews in France are targeted, but is the judicial system that liberal and forgiving to criminals? You know, that's part of the problem. Uh, the system is a uh, very laxist in a way. Uh, and uh, it's the same in many other cases. Unfortunately, we, uh, I've been in contact this, this, uh, over the last few days with a, a guy who is in charge of uh, a non-for-profit organization, uh, which is named after his daughter, who was killed. 20 years ago by a guy who was considered not responsible for his, for his actions for the same reasons, because he was considered insane, you know. And uh, this non-Jewish guy uh, has been uh, uh, struggling over the last 20 years for making the law change. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a philosoph- philosophical uh, bias of the, of the judge. Uh, of course, we don't have to judge people who are really insane. It's, it's the basis of the justice. Uh, the question we have today on the case of Sarah Halimi is, how can you be at the same time considered anti-Semitic, which means having an ideology? So if you have an ideology, it means that you are uh, able to, to, uh, to, to make links between things you see and things you think about, you know, and, and at the same time being considered in a delirious state. If you are in a delirious state, uh, you should not have recognize anything Jewish in the home of Sarah Limi, that you should, maybe you should not have targeted her for her Jewishness. So that's the main issue we have. It means right. either it's anti-Semitic, either it's a crime by a, uh, an insane guy, which we, it, it happens we, sometimes, and we could have accepted, but how can it be both anti-Semitic and committed by an insane guy? Okay. Jonathan, um, I want to ask you about media coverage, and I'll give you an example. Let's say in Israel, a, an Arab terrorist can charge an Israeli soldier with a knife, but the media will report Palestinian shot dead, and they won't give the whole story. When something like this happens in France, does the media say Jewish woman brutally murdered by Muslim or just woman killed by uh, you know psychotic neighbor? Well, usually as uh, the media... Uh, you know, they, they, uh, they express what they are, uh, in, uh, the information they, they got from the police. You know, uh, you know, first of all, in these kind of cases, you, you, you have no other information than what the police said to you. And uh, they started to say that it was someone who was considered insane. Uh, if we are honest, we have to recognize that the anti-Semitic dimension of this crime has been... Uh, largely reporting in the press, in the media. It's, it was not the case uh, at the beginning, but we have managed to have 
uh, more and more media talk about the anti-Semitic part, anti-Semitic dimension and, uh, of the of this crime. Uh, the problem you, you you spoke about about the bias from the media regarding Israel is is used to be the same in France also regarding anti-Semitism at the beginning of the new wave of anti-Semitism at the beginning of the years 2000. At that time, young Jews were attacked uh, in the streets and the media was saying just random random attacks on young people. We knew by by experience, I would say, that these people were targeted because they were Jewish. And we consider on this case of Sarah Halimi that if she had not been Jewish, she she would not have died. And uh, that's something uh, which is very important. We have some time to explain that to our to our French uh, to the French citizens uh, to say we 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 suffer from the same insecurities than you. But on top of that, we know that if we are ident- identified as Jews, we may suffer uh, double portion in a way. And that's something which is very difficult to explain to people because it, it can be considered as a way to saying. We are more victims than you. We're not saying that. It's not a competition, a competition right. between victims. You know, every uh, sufferer has to has to be respected and to be uh, 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 considered by by the society. And the, but we know that Jews sometimes are targeted specifically for being Jewish, right. and that's that has a special meaning. And you have to tackle also that special meaning, not only the general part of the of the of the of the attack. Yonatan, I want to talk a little bit about Sarah Halimi. I want to give tribute to this beautiful soul who died Al-Kiddush Hashem. What do we know about her life? Please share that with our listening audience. Well, first of all, she was a uh, 65 years old doctor. Uh, she, uh, she was a religious, uh, uh, a Forex uh, uh, Jew uh, uh, very observant. Um, she, uh, she, she, from the testimonies we have, she was very, very nice to to her family, to her neighbors, uh, very discreet, uh, and uh, uh, she, she's, you know, in Hebrew we say it's a tzedeket, you know, uh, yeah. like someone uh, doing uh, good things around her in her life, yeah. and uh, uh, that's something. Thank you for your question, because usually in these kind of cases, we focus on the political dimension of the crime, not only, and we forget sometimes, we forget sometimes the human dimension. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's important to, um, to, to, to also remember of, uh, of her, her, her figure, and who she, who she was. Do you have Jewish groups, like, and again, in America, especially in America, we have Jewish groups, we have shomerim, they call them guardians, people who patrol. In the French Jewish community, do you have French Jewish groups who go around, who protect you? Um, and if there's ever a case where it's necessary, where they sometimes take justice into their own hands so that nobody ever sees the Jews as uh, an easy target? That's a very interesting question. Uh, first of all, I have to underline first the cultural differences between the U.S. and France regarding, for instance, uh, I would say, militias and uh, uh, guns and things like that. We live in a country in France where you cannot wear a gun without a specific permit. It's very limited. Uh, it's, it's, 
strictly limited. This means uh, uh, nobody was where where a gun in in, the, in France except policemen and uh, and uh, and, uh, mili- and uh, military men. You know, it's, it's right. al- almost only only them. You know, uh, I know that it's different in the U.S. and the culture of defending defending uh, uh, oneself in the U.S. Is, is is very different compared to France. So that's something to keep in mind when we compare the two situations. As, uh, having said that, uh, we have, of course, uh, a security service of the Jewish community in charge of uh, securizing uh, the uh, Jewish buildings, like synagogues, schools, but also the Jewish life in general. It means Jewish events. For instance, on Sunday, uh, we're going to have a demonstration for Sarah Halimi. And of course, there is a coordination with the police in order to make sure that this uh, place, the place is safe. Uh, for people who want to gather there in order to, to give tribute to Sarah Halimi. Uh, we, there are some groups, uh, independent groups, who uh, can sometimes have uh, uh, to be more, I would say, activist uh, in, uh, in, in, the, in the struggle against anti-Semitism. Right. You know, I myself, when I used to be the president of the French Union of Jewish Students, uh, you know, I went once to the to a meeting of a guy named Dieudonné. Dieudonné is a, uh, a, guy, a very anti-Semitic guy in France uh, who, um, uh, who presents himself as a, uh, a comedian. I remember him, yes. And I went to a meeting uh, of him and with a group of students, Jewish students, and we said, you're anti-Semitic. And, and it was important to show to him that he will not be quiet even in his meetings, you know, and uh, some people have done that in, in many different places. We're a strong community, you know, we are a vivid and strong community. Uh, you have to consider that in, in Paris, you, you have about, in the region of Paris, you have about 300,000 Jews. It's much more than in many American cities, except uh, New York, Los Angeles, and Miami. Right. There are more Jews, more Jews in Paris than in Chicago, for instance. And, uh, uh, they are, Jews in France are, are very, I would say, uh, united. They have, they have a strong Jewish identity. They are very connected to Israel. Uh, uh, and uh, we, we, cons- we have also a tradition of, uh, of uh, I would say, uh, Jewish act- activism. And uh, we tend to, to, to fight with these tools, even if they are not the same tools than in the U.S., for instance. <laughs> Yonatan, what is the future for Jews in France Historically, we have seen from the Alfred Dreyfus trial through the Holocaust and post-war that France is a land of systemic anti-Semitism where Jews, if they are victimized, just have to live with it because that's just what it is. So are Jews just expected to accept it or leave the country? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's also a very frequently asked question for, uh, from uh, our uh, American and Israeli friends. Uh, well, you have two ways of considering the affair Dreyfus, uh, the Dreyfus affair. Uh, of course, it was a very anti-Semitic moment of the French society. But at the end of the day, uh, Dreyfus was considered innocent and half of the country uh, uh, raised up to say that Dreyfus is innocent and that Jews are not to be considered uh, culprits, and, you know. And uh, there is a very famous uh, French philosopher, Emmanuel Levinas, whose father said to him when he was young, a country where half of the population raised up for the Jews has to be a country where we have to live, you know. So you can consider that the bad half of the population, uh, the anti-Semitic one, I would say, 
is enough uh, not to live in France or consider that the uh, good one, the uh, one who fight uh, for, for, for rights with us is a good reason to live in France. You know, it's a very personal and intimate question. Personally speaking, if I can answer on this, uh, on this level, uh, I have decided to, to live in France. My uh, children are, are quite young, so it was a recent decision to, to have kids and, and raise them in France. I do consider that as long as France is a democratic country, there will, there will be Jews in France and they will be here and they will fight also. I'm not uh, considering that we have to, to be a fatalist, you know. Uh, being Jewish means considering that we have our destiny in our hands and we have to fight. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's harder. But, uh, you know, what the future will be, nobody knows. It's, it's not in the, <laughs> right. it's not already written, you know. Yeah. Bela, do I have time for, for another question? Uh, actually, we're out of time. Okay. Um, unless, Alan, you want to some... One real quick question. I know that you're going to yeah. have a rally this Sunday uh, to honor Sarah Lamy. Can you tell us, estimate, how many people are you expecting, and are there other organizations or religious groups who are sponsoring this event with you? Well, uh, we estimate that about uh, 15,000 people will attend this event. Uh, this rally, it will be uh, in Paris, in the center of Paris, uh, near Trocadero Square, which is a very famous place in Paris. And uh, we, we, uh, we have many, many politicians, for instance, from all sides coming uh, to the demonstration, to the rally. Uh, it will not change the, the history, the past, but it will be a way to, to show that first we give tribute to Sarah Halimi herself, and second, we are aware of the anti-Semitic dimension of this crime and we want it to be also, I would say, remembered by the history. Good. Okay. Thank you, Jonathan. We are out of time. Um, I want to thank you so very much for joining us today on The Definitive Wrap. I want you and everyone in France to know that the Jewish community in America stands with you. Jewish blood is not cheap. Thank you to our listening audience for tuning in and for vinnews.com for our show being their official podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Sebro and Alan Skorsky. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can listen to The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.